Hey, this is Scott Taylor. I am so glad that you have joined us. I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church, and we would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at TPCGVL, or you could text the word CONNECT to 864-479-4483. We've got a word for you today that I hope challenges you and inspires you. So we are doing this series called Searching. And there's a reason we're doing this series is because I have a lot of conversations with people that aren't church people. If you are only having conversations with people that are in church, you're doing it wrong. You should be having conversations with people that aren't in church. For too long, I spent time on a church staff in multiple churches. I spent too long on church staff sheltered by other church staff people and preachers and pastors and church people. And that is not the way we are called to live. We are called to live amongst the world, not being in it, but you know, we got to be around it, right? And we're called to shine the light. That's what we're called to do. And so I'm having these conversations, really good conversations with people, and we found that they are searching. We found that many of you are searching. Many of the people that are coming in our doors, watching us online or reaching out, they're searching for something. And I think because the last couple of years have happened the way they've happened, we're now searching for truth. The problem is there's a lot of places to find truth. There's a lot of places, you may recognize what this looks like, on the internet, at its own term, like we don't search for things on the internet, we Google it, right? If you Google truth, like you can be led astray real, real quick. And so why we did this is because we wanted to search the truth. We wanted to present the truth. And so we've talked about what it means to search for truth, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so last week, we began to talk to you about the Trinity. And, and, and I did my best to try to explain what the Trinity is. So this is called the Trinity Shield, and, and it does a really good job of explaining what the Trinity is and, and the relationship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look, there are just certain elements that I can't explain to you, and if anybody says they can, they're telling a lie, because we're just going to have to get to heaven, we're going to have to figure that part out, because we can't figure out, our minds can't wrap around how God can be God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all in one, but yet three separate. Like, we can't, we can't wrap our minds around, we, our, our brains are not capable of handling so we talked about what the Trinity is, and I would encourage you, if you have, tr- if you have questions about what the Trinity is, I'd, I'd encourage you to take some time to go back and watch and listen to that message, because I give you a lot of scripture about the, the Trinity and the three persons in one, and I give you scripture about the roles that they play in your life and in the church. And at the end of the message, I didn't want to rush through, so I wanted to dedicate another week to this. At the end of the message, we talked about the third person of the Trinity, the one that's often forgotten, most misunderstood, and, and maybe stayed away from in most churches because we don't really want to talk about that. The Holy Spirit. 
And just so you know, if you don't know me, I am completely comfortable in uncomfortable situations. In fact, I, I kind of like them. I like it when other people get uncomfortable because I'm sort of not, I just don't get uncomfortable very often. And so it's sort of fun to watch people squirm. Like you should live in that space where you're totally comfortable and watching other people squirm is pretty funny. Um, but the Holy Spirit is something that makes preachers, it makes church people uncomfortable. And we're going to talk about why today. So today's message is going to be a, a part Bible study, and then it's also going to be part real practical teaching. Is that okay? So today we're going to talk about the, the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is in our life and why he is important. Because I think what ends up happening is we have these misconceptions about the Holy Spirit based on things that we've experienced, things that we've seen, things that we've heard. Maybe how you grew up, maybe how your grandma grew up, right? We have these misperceptions of what the Holy Spirit is. So let's go back and talk about what Paul talked about when he was addressing the Holy Spirit one of the times. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6. This is, this is the armor of God piece. Most of us are familiar with that. Ephesians chapter 6. This is how he starts it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Does that make you excited? <laughs> Does that freak you out? Right? Because what he's saying is the stuff that you think you're fighting, you're not really fighting. It's deeper than that. Like it's bigger than that. So our fight is not against our neighbor. Our fight is not against our coworker. Our fight is not against any of that. It's, it's spiritual. It's against principalities. You've got an enemy of your soul called Satan, and he does not want you to succeed. And we'll talk about that. Next verse. Therefore, and what have we told you all along? When you see therefore, you need to see what it's there for. So here's why it's there. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may. Take up the whole armor of God so that you will be able to withstand in the evil day. Y'all think we're in an evil day? Y'all think that there's more evil out there than there? We probably, probably are in approaching, at least, very quickly a post-Christian society. Like, it ain't how I grew up. It ain't how my dad grew up. In fact, what I will say is, post-COVID, it ain't how you grew up. Everything's changed. So put on your armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. So let me just say it. It's spiritual. Then Paul goes in and he talks about what the armor of God is. And perhaps you've heard the armor of God. We've seen, you know, illustrations. We, the kids have had coloring pages. What the armor of God is. And every piece of the armor of God is important. Every piece of the armor of God protects or keeps or does something specific. The belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness, guarding your heart. The feet ready with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. All of those pieces, except the sword, are like for your protection. Now, the sword is offensive. 
The sword is for the battle. The sword, you need to be reading the Bible. You need to be reading God's Word if you're going to fight the fight. And you might as well be ready to fight the fight because the fight's coming to you. You may just not realize it. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But look at what Paul says next, because this is the part that people don't realize. This is the part that people don't think about. This is the part that people sort of skip over. They stop at the sword of the Spirit. Very next verse, praying always. If you do not have a life of prayer, you are not fulfilling God's purpose. You are not communing with God because God wants relationship with you. It's why Jesus came. It's why God sent his son so that he could have a relationship with you. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Amen, pastor. Good job. Woohoo! I like that scripture. That's good. Okay, I'm going to start praying. Praying always. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have a life of prayer. I'm going to be a praying person. That's right. That's me. I'm going to do that with all prayer and supplication. I'm going to ask things. I'm going to pray things. I'm going to pray in the spirit. Oh, wait, what? We, I'm not that. That's not. Nah, nah, you lost me right there. Well, I'm not telling you all this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So what do we do with that? How do we address that? If that makes you uncomfortable, okay. If you have questions, awesome, let's talk about it. This is a place that you can ask questions. This is a place where you can not have all the answers. This is a place we can explore together. You won't offend me. But what are we talking about here? Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Prayer is the divine means of putting on your spiritual armor. Like it's what holds it together. Prayer is the divine means of putting on your spiritual armor. And the armor of God is preparation for the battle. Like it equips you. Would you go to battle without your armor? Would you go to battle without your weapon? Probably not. But prayer is the battle. Like prayer is where the battle is fought. So what I'm saying is, if you don't have God's word in your life, and you aren't reading God's promises for you, and you aren't reading how God equips you, and you don't have a prayer life where you're praying scriptures and praying the promises of God, you're not fighting the battle very well. God has equipped you for everything, with everything that you need. Let me start over. God has equipped you with everything that you need to live a successful life for Him. But it's up to you to put on the armor of God and to fight the battle in prayer. And you need God's Word and you need a life of prayer. Like you need to have a prayer life in your, if you're going to fight this battle. So, so important. Listen, y'all. Satan 
who is real, okay? Satan will do anything that he can to distract you and busy you to minimize your prayer life. If Satan can do anything, he'll get you distracted and he'll get you busy. You would think with all the technology that we have, that we would have more free time than ever before, right? we got computers that we carry around in our pocket. They've got calendars on it. It's got messaging. I mean, you can call me. You can text me. You can message me. You can all the ways to get a hold of people. And we appear to have less time than ever. I think it doesn't have anything to do with the time. It has everything to do with priorities. You need to make prayer and God's word a priority in your life. And so what we've got to do is we've got to start asking these questions of what's next because listen to me. The, the, the armor of God, your prayer life, God's word, it's what everything after salvation in your spiritual walk hinges on. Like when you get saved, that's great. And all you want to do is you want to get into heaven, fine, that's good. But you're not living the life God's called you to. What's next is that you seek the more that God has for you, and it starts with God's word and in prayer. Okay? So maybe, maybe you've got some hang-ups. So I'm also the guy that just says it out loud. So maybe you've got some hang-ups about the Holy Spirit. Maybe when you hear the Holy Spirit, you get this preconceived notion, you get this thing, you get this whatever, and you had this experience. You had this friend, you went to your friend. You, you, you've got to put this aside for right now. Okay, just put whatever that, whatever that means aside. Because I'm going to address both of them. <laughs> and what I want you to do is I want you to, to understand that as we dive into this topic, we can disagree, and that's okay. We can disagree on some things, but we're going to look at God's Word and see what He says about it. We're not going to look at the internet. We're not going to look at what somebody else says. And we're not just going to say, well, I grew up, cause. At salvation, we are empowered to live above sin through the indwelling of the Spirit. So last week when we talked about the three baptisms, we talked about three baptisms that, that uh, believers receive. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Woo, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you are saved and God, the Holy Spirit, brings you into the body of Christ. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit brings you into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit's main purpose is to bring you under the lordship of Jesus. Okay? And at salvation, we're empowered to live. So you receive the baptism into the body of Christ. There's water baptism, right? That's when, when we were dunked in the water. That's a representation of, of being saved. Old man dies, new man comes up. Hallelujah, we're saved. We're letting everybody know it's a proclamation. And then you've got the baptism with the Holy Spirit. That's when one, Jesus does that baptizing. And it's through the baptism with the Spirit that the Holy Spirit, God empowers you with his gifting. The Holy Spirit now bears witness through us that Jesus has risen from the dead through his giftings, through his presence. Okay? So, 
let's talk about what that means. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, Paul once again is talking, and this is where he kind of goes into uh, the gifts. And let me just say this, the reason, like you need to know why Paul wrote to the Corinthians. The Corinthians meant well. The Corinthians were fired up. The Corinthians were trying hard. The Corinthians were embracing all things God. They were embracing the gifts of the Spirit. They were embracing all things, right? But they had some issues. They, they got out of hand. They got out of order. They were doing some things that were not right. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians not to chastise them, not to put them down, not to kick them out of the church, not to tell shame on you. He did it to, to correct them in love and to help grow them in their relationship with God. Therefore, I will make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the way that you accept Jesus as your Lord, get under the Lordship of Jesus, is through and by the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's main job. Then you get to what Jesus said. So we, we, I want you to understand what happens here, okay? The Holy Spirit, God would send the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament times to speak to the prophets. Like we've got lots of examples in the Old Testament of God sending his Spirit to speak to and through a prophet. Prophet Isaiah prophesied about Jesus' death and resurrection, like prophesied about the Isaiah. You got Moses, who was in relationship with God. You got the prophet Elijah and Elisha. You know, God spoke through them, right? So that was the Old Testament, and it would happen at times when God would deem it necessary for him to speak to his people. Then everything changed. Everything changed when Jesus came to this earth. And he was 100% God and 100% man. And next week, we're going to talk about why he had to come as a baby, as a human being, why he had to be born of a virgin, why he had to be crucified. We're going to talk about why next week. Let's talk about the veil being ripped and what that means. But listen to me. You may not think about this. The Old Testament... God would send his spirit. He would speak through prophets. The prophets would speak. And when the prophets would speak in the Old Testament, who were they hearing? The people. They were hearing from God. Think of that game of telephone. Like you got two lines and you start a message back here and you're racing to the end. And it's not who wins first. It's the one with the most accurate from the beginning that wins. It's kind of what was happening. And then God sent Jesus. And listen, every single time Jesus spoke the people that heard him were hearing God's voice you ever think about that every time Jesus spoke the people that were hearing it heard God spoke speak so the prophets who went with him and ate with him and traveled with him and camped with him and fished with him and did all the things with Jesus. Every time Jesus spoke, they were hearing God speak. Every time Jesus would preach to a crowd, they were hearing God speak. The problem was, is Jesus was 100% God in the body of a 100% man. So Jesus' ministry 
while he was here was limited to where he could go and who could hear him because he was 100% God, 100% man. But God in his infinite wisdom and love for you, understand that. Love for his creation. Said, you know what? I got a plan. I'm going to send Jesus and yeah, he's going to be limited because he's body, but I'm going to make it so he's not anymore. So Jesus is talking about that. He's talking about the roles and, and this is what he says to the disciples. Then Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, God, the father, the son does also in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him, God will show the Son, greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. If Jesus is saying you've got to honor me, if you're going to honor God, if you're going to honor God, you're going to honor me, guess what? Remember the Trinity shield? God the Father, God the Son, God honor them. Directly tied is the Holy Spirit better be careful what you say about the third person of the Holy Spirit. You better be careful about having your opinions because somebody said about the Holy Spirit. Because you got to honor him because he's part of the Godhead. Jesus also said this in Revelation, God reveals himself to John the Revelator. This is really important. So Jesus reveals himself as, you know, he's got white hair, fire and the eyes and bronze feet. And it's just like this awesome picture of, of Jesus and this awesome thing that's going on. And John immediately gets down on his face before God. And he says, oh, and this is what Jesus said right after that. Don't be afraid for I am the first and the last. Why is that important? Who did God say he is? In fact, he said it earlier in this, but who did God say he is when he appeared to Moses? I am the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus, I am the first and the last. I am God. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. So be it. It is done. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. So Jesus is saying, I am God. You've got to honor me if you're going to honor the Father. Jesus' authority did not replace God's authority. Like Jesus didn't come and say, hi, fellas. New sheriff in town. I'm in charge. No, no, no. We just read it. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to do what the Father says do. Jesus' authority rests still under God's authority. If you'll come back next week, I'm going to tell you what this means to you. I'm going to show you what this means to you. 
John chapter 14. It's the promise of the Spirit. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because they're not in the fold. They're not in the flock. They're not a believer. They haven't accepted Jesus. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you, look, and will be in you. So the authority comes. And Jesus came and spoke to them after he'd been risen from the dead. All authority has been given to me. I'm operating under the authority of God. Me in heaven and on earth. That's great, right? But you have a responsibility here. Now go therefore and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Obey God's word. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. You want to complain about the outreach we do? You want to complain about the fact that we are gospel-centered, reaching people online, reaching people across town, reaching people that don't look like you, smell like you, act like you, speak like you, do like you, then that's fine. If you've got a problem with that, we're doing what Jesus said. If you don't like that, you can take it up with him. Because that's what we're going to do. So let's get real practical. Maybe we can't agree on everything. Maybe you've got questions about the Holy Spirit and what that means. Maybe you've got questions about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, what does that mean? How does that work? I don't know about that. I'm not so sure about that. Then let's focus on what we can agree on. We talked about this, right, before, week two. Can we agree that salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, all to the glory of God alone? Can we agree on that? Then we're brothers and sisters. And we got to stop fighting, y'all. We got to stop fighting with the Baptist church down the street. With the, we got to stop. Now there are churches that are perhaps not gospel-centered anymore, but we have to agree that if this we can come to agreement on, we're brothers and sisters, and we can look at the rest. We can figure that part out. I'm preaching to myself. Don't let your past rob you of more of the more that God has for you. You know what the problem is when we come to talking about the Holy Spirit? We're focused on the practices of worship. We're focused on the response of worship. And you're sitting there saying, well, I've seen emotionalism. I've seen people respond in a way that I just don't think are real. Okay, me too. I've seen people, because people are imperfect. I've seen people work it up and manipulate things for a reaction. Oh, that's right. Some of y'all saying, go get them, go get them, go get them, go get them. I've also seen people manipulate the service and the atmosphere for no reaction. It goes both ways. 
Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, was doing all of this not so that he could so that he could teach them what true worship is. And true worship is response to God's word and to the life of the Spirit. And you know what? That may put you on your face before God. It may get you clapping and raising your hands. But true worship requires a response, y'all. True worship requires a response. Life change requires a response. And we could talk about the different ways. We could talk about manipulation. We can talk about all of those things. That's fine. I'm not uncomfortable talking about it. But what we've got to do is we've got to focus on the truth. And true worship is a response to God's Word and to the life of the Spirit. That's what it's about. God has more for you, but you're going to have to seek it. God has more for you, but you're going to have to want it. You're going to have to pursue it. You're going to have to go after it. Because just like we read when we talked about the armor of God, everything after salvation hinges on you moving forward and pursuing God's Word. Amen? I'm going to have you stand with me. Everybody in the room, online, listen. um, With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to ask you a question. We can't really go without asking a question because reality is, is that some people try to work it up and get an emotional response. And then some people who don't do that want a response because they just want you to respond through a story or through music or, you know, and that's not a Pentecostal thing. That's not a... That's a, that's a thing. Like it could be a Baptist church or it can be a, any church that they're trying to manipulate a response out of you. In other words, either side is trying to do the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do his work himself. So right now, what I would ask you is this. Where do you stand? Like you may have questions. That's fine. Come talk to me afterward. But where do you stand? Are you pursuing more of God? That's the question. So everybody in the room, listen online. If you're online and you don't have a relationship with God, follow this direction. Text next. We'll send you a gift. We'll help you. We'll connect with you. Show you tools to grow in your walk. For you in the room, if you just want more, you want to grow, we've got tools for you. Holy Spirit is the tools in your toolbox, the gas in your tank, and we'll help you, okay? But what I want for you is to want more. Heavenly Father, God, in the name of Jesus, help us to want more of you. Use us, Lord, I pray, to do your work and to pursue more of you. Give us the desire, God, for more of you, and let us give you the discipline. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God will give you the desire. You got to do the work, though. Listen, if you would like prayer, our team's going to come down. They'll be available to pray with you. There's power in agreement. Pray for you if you need prayer. Text the word pray if you need prayer. We love you. We thank you. Next week, 
Palm Sunday, it's a big day. We start the Easter season officially. Hope to see you there. Love you.